Well, as I had mentioned, we have had a wonderful district presence here the last, uh, last week or so. And we're continuing that this morning with another good friend of ours, Harold. Uh, Harold Gutierrez. Gutierrez. Right on. Uh, he is the International and Indigenous Ministries Director at PAOC, our BC Yukon District. You've been there for two years now. And uh, he'll share a bit about himself and his ministry. And uh, we're pumped to have you here. So Harold, come on up. Bless our students. We're grateful for you. Let's give him a round of applause. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you. Man, it's so good to be here. You know, I'm going to do what uh, Dr. Rutland, Mark Rutland, who was the president at ORU, which is where I went um, during my Bible college years. And I will be sitting on the balcony on that big, big building. And he will always start chapel just with a very upbeat and, you know, in his typical Tulsa word of faith fashion. Good morning, ORU. So I'm just going to say good morning, Summit Pacific. I am so happy to be here. I'm so pumped. November 1st has been marked in my calendar ever since I got the invitation. I appreciate uh, Kim and Gavin for providing me this opportunity. And uh, yeah, if you uh, cannot remember my title, who just uh, Gavin just said it, it's okay. It's very long. Sometimes I don't remember it myself. So, you know, I'm actually going to put in on my budget proposal that instead of business cards to give me business banners to fit that big title, Indigenous and International Ministries Directors of PAOC. Yeah, you get the gist. Um, But yeah, um, that's really, that's what I do. And I've been in this role for two years. Obviously, most of those two years are under uh, COVID times, which has made it interesting But if you're ever wondering, okay, what does this guy do? Well, I oversee uh, the ministry that involves indigenous people. We have churches in 10 uh, uh, places all over BC uh, and other missional initiatives that have to do with indigenous people. And also on the other side of my portfolio is the international ministries uh, section, which, by the way, if you thought that that meant I work with global workers, you're wrong. And so if that ever comes up in a quiz, you're going to get it wrong. International ministries have to do with newcomers and uh, pastors that come from overseas to plant here. And most of those churches have been monolingual um, uh, for all this time, but little by little, they're going to have to make a transition into a multilingual language, and that's why I'm there to help the transition. And um, because I really want to get into my message, um, I'm just going to throw this out there here before I forget. Um, I am inviting anyone. We're making a few shifts to international ministries next year. And I want to kind of, uh, I I asked for a space at one o'clock to share about that. So I'll be in room four after lunch. I'll eat lunch. You'll eat eat lunch as well. And at one o'clock, I'll be in room four uh, just to uh, introduce to you really what intercultural ministries will look look like in the next few years. Because if you thought, okay, that doesn't involve me, uh, I'm about to debunk that myth. All right? 
So if you have a passion for cultural groups, you have the missionary bug biting you, uh, maybe you're thinking that's going to happen overseas. Uh, I'm not going to dissuade you to do that, but I'm here to say, hey, you don't have to go overseas. We can do missionary ministry here at home through some uh, new initiatives that we want to start. If you are bilingual, so my second generation immigrants in the house, if you are bilingual, you know, if you learn another language at home and you are bilingual, I want you there as well because we're even going to introduce or redefine the idea of what an intercultural church is. And so moving forward, there's some good and exciting opportunities that I want to introduce to you. So uh, it won't be the only time I'll be here. Uh, but that will be a good start. So room four at one o'clock, all right? So enough of the public service announcements. I'm going to get into the Word of God. And so uh, I'm going to read from Proverbs chapter 8, verses 30 to 31. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible. And it says, Then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of men. I just want to pray quickly. Father, thank you for this opportunity, and Lord, add blessing to your word, O oh God, that it will not be my words, but your words. Amen. I just... Title this message, Embrace the Masterpiece. Embrace the Masterpiece. Proverbs 8 is very interesting. Um, it's, it's really a personification of the concept of wisdom. And it's a beautiful way uh, to put wisdom in that it elevates wisdom to a heavenly quality rather than just an earthly skill. It's almost like Solomon is elevating, you know, he's, he's obviously very passionate about wisdom. He begins... Proverbs 1 saying the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Uh, but it's almost like he's, he's elevating wisdom to its rightful place as a heavenly quality. Lest we think that it's just a human skill that some are more uh, able to attain it than others. Or that maybe you can take a crash course on getting wisdom for your life and you're better off than uh, others that don't take that course. Basically what Psalms is elevating wisdom to say wisdom is closely related, it's part of God's nature, and it's being manifested in creation. So it, Proverbs 8 reads like a poem. But I zero into these two verses because it talks about how wisdom delights in everything that God does. That, that wisdom, it's, it's in the delight of creation, of God's workmanship, but above all, it's in the delight of the children of men, of humanity, of you and I created in God's image. Now, I know that you are in a very beautiful place. I wish I would have gone to Bible school here. You know, nice scenery, nice uh, 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 nature trails and everything. Not in the middle of the city. That was boring. Uh, I wish, I really wish I would have been here for Bible college. But 
don't we always appreciate God's workmanship and creation, especially those that like to hike and being out in the nature? You probably love it. You go on a walk on a hike and you see trees and you see the fall colors or you see a lake and you, wow, your heart rejoices, your soul rejoices. You realize, wow, this was made by God with one word and you delight in his workmanship. And those of us that like stars and telescopes, uh, I delight in God's workmanship when I think about the universe, when I think about the celestial bodies. It's so easy to delight in such a beautiful and imperfect creation. It's even easy to delight in God's workmanship as it relates to other people. How God works in their lives, how God sort of leads them. But it is so hard to embrace God's workmanship when it comes to accepting how he has designed us. You've probably heard the phrase, you're your worst critic. And that's probably true for all of us. But for some, even more so. In that it's not that we're just the worst critic. It's that we actually sometimes devalue our own design. We don't appreciate how God has designed us. And that's why we have to learn to embrace the masterpiece. And I'm not talking about the masterpiece that is the created order, the trees, the animals, the lakes, and the oceans. I'm not talking about the masterpiece that the celestial bodies are, the galaxies, the sun, the stars, the northern lights, and all those things. Those are beautiful. I'm talking about embracing the masterpiece that is in you. In you as an individual, is you in you as a man, in you as a woman, in you as a son and daughter of the Most High, in you as someone who's been called and launched out into great things. You are the masterpiece of God. I'm going to get rowdy here because in two weeks I'm in Trinity, and in Trinity I think that they don't let me get too rowdy. All right, so I'm going to get it out of my system here, all right? Amongst Pentecostals. You are the masterpiece of God. And you have to embrace the masterpiece that you are, that God has made you to be. It's easy to embrace it for other things and other people, but not yourself. And may I submit to you that before we go out of this place to win the world for the Lord, we must win the ever-going battle that it is self-acceptance. We have to win that battle every day, every day in and day out, in every stage of ministry, in every stage of life. Before we go and win anybody else, we must accept and embrace the masterpiece. What I've prepared here today is more of a conversation. As I prayed and as I considered into this occasion, I really feel God uh, leading me into being vulnerable with you, the student body, today. In two days, I'm going to turn 36 years old. I've been serving God for almost 20 years now. I got saved during my freshman year in college as a 17-year-old. And to this year, for some reason, I've been reflecting a lot on what has been the journey. Uh, and the idea that God put in my heart was, if you could tell 
yourself 20 years younger, when he was just starting, what will you tell him? And that's what I'm going to share. That's the heart of my message today. That's the heart of embracing the masterpiece. Let me begin by saying this. Ministry does not happen in a vacuum. Ministry involves you accepting your own personality. God has designed you. You are his masterpiece. And he's given you strength. He's given you gifts. He's given you everything that you need to succeed. He's designed you with the same perfect care that he designed the universe. So you are his masterpiece. And in order to do ministry the way God wants you to do, you must embrace that. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's going to involve every facet of your personality. But in our world today, there is a danger with personality in ministry. It's what I like to call prepackaged personality syndrome. The way I equate it is to this, all right? I don't want to judge you, by the way, with what I'm going to say. But I don't know if you, I mean, as a college student, I lean a lot into a prepackaged microwavable dinner. Oh, boy, a lot of amens in the house. All right. Well, I won't judge you. I won't judge your eating habits because I was there, right? So here's the thing. I've noticed, I was actually, I was at the grocery store yesterday, and I noticed that with each passing year, microwavable dinners are getting more gourmet in its presentation. Like I came across yesterday a box of beef Merlot as a microwavable dinner. I'm like, man, like a couple, when I was leaning into this for my nutrition, it was just macaroni and cheese and mashed potatoes. But now we're having beef Merlot in prepackaged dinner. And there it is. It looks nice. It looks gourmet. Uh, it looks flashy. It looks glossy. But the reality is, is that if we put that dinner into the microwave, it's going to taste like microwavable dinner. It's not going to taste like the real thing, all right? Sure, it fits us good. It, 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 you know, it, it keeps us from starving. But it is not the real thing, even though it looks the real thing. And it's presented to imitate the real thing. And I feel that a lot of times we build personality for ministry through that same method. Rather than embracing the masterpiece that is in us, we try to pick and choose. We try to prepackage our own personality. Let me, let me look around into who's cool. Let me look around into who has the coolest guitar or who speaks the best or who has the most popularity. And we try to wish to be like them. That's prepackaged personality rather than the real thing that is cooked with care in the sovereignty of God, we try to just look around to pick and choose what's working around us and try to imitate that and measure ourselves up to that. But that is prepackaged personality. When you're cooking in ministry, when you're in those seasons, you will realize that even though it looked good, it might not be the best for you. Why? Because you're imitating others. Personality does not happen like that. Personality is developed in the in and out workings of a sovereign God. Personality is developed in me surrendering every day and allowing him to work in me to the point that I embrace the masterpiece that I am in his hands and in his care. 
That's how we develop personality. And it's dangerous to develop prepackaged personality because you're simply wishing and emptily repeating what others are doing and how they're doing it. Because it maximizes the results. So you see, we see the end product, and that's what we try to imitate, but we don't know the journey behind that. For the good and for the bad. Because just because it looks flashy on the outside doesn't mean that it's flashy in the inside or holy in the inside. Popularity does not equate integrity. So if we're just focusing and obsessed with what's popular and measuring up to that, we might actually be uh, looking at the wrong thing. Because again, popularity will not equate to integrity. Sometimes it does, and then sometimes it doesn't, and then it gets really dangerous. But I think the, the worst danger of all of this is that we maximize others so much that then we minimize God's design in our lives. And that's what then that's what allows me then to bring you back to Proverbs 8, 30, 31. It says that wisdom delights in the children of men. It rejoices in the inhabited world. You are a masterpiece, and thus you must embrace it. And not just be looking at what others are doing, how they're doing, and wishing to be like them because we think that that's successful in ministry. No, we got to develop personality a different way. Not prepackage, but we got to allow God to develop it in us. And I'll give you three aspects for this. Real quick. Number one, believing that God's design for our life rocks. It does. In my personal journey, I did not accept that. From the very beginning, when God called me, I wanted to be like other people. I always thought that others were better speakers, that others looked cooler, that others uh, had more potential than I. And looking at them just left me tired and left me unsure of who I really was. Because again, my mind was on maximizing them and minimizing what God has designed in us. And hey, it's nothing, there is absolutely nothing wrong to looking at others and just checking out what they're doing. Just don't let, you know, check other people's stories. However, don't keep God from writing your own. Don't take the pen from God's hand to say, I'm going to write my own story like that person because they're doing it well and they're successful. No. You look at it, you get inspired, you learn, but you always allow God to write your own story. Number two, we got to learn to see God at work in every step of the journey. You know, there's a timing aspect to the ministry and to the development of our lives. God does things in his perfect time. And he's going to allow things. And the thing in my life, what I felt to see in those first years of ministry is that I always wanted to speak things up because others were farther along. And because they were farther along, I felt like I was incapable. And so I said, let me catch up. Let me move out of my own time. Let me move ahead of God. When God was just trying to slow things in my life to speed his process in my life. And that's what happens. It's not that God slows down just to slow you down. It's that he's going to slow you down to speed what he wants to do in your life. So we shouldn't be just trying to see where others are so that we can catch up. 
that again is minimizing God's design in us. And the third one, allowing God to define what makes me gifted. That's how we develop personality in ministry. We allow God to define the areas of our giftedness. We don't try to imitate those. We discover those. God shows those to us, and we embrace them. For a number of years, students, for a number of years, guys and girls, I've struggled with that one. I've struggled so much. Part of it is insecurities in my own life. Part, or another part was pe- stuff that people have spoken over my life. There is an area of insecurity that I've always struggled. And again, I'm going to be very vulnerable here because that's what God put in my heart to do. I always struggle with uh, accepting my own accent because I've been told that I belong to, to speaking only to Latinos because of my accent. That was told over my life, and it was told once, and it has taken me years to overcome that. Feeling insecure, feeling less, feeling limited when God, when I knew exactly what God was calling me to do. Blaming God for, for even blaming God and blaming my parents saying, why do you guys take me back to Latin America when I had been born already in the States? In that way, I wouldn't have that accent because I would have grown up going to school in the U.S. It's a personal battle that I have finally overcome after many years because I now know the masterpiece that God has put in me. And what I have to say, how I have to say, and how I sound doesn't matter because God has given me enough to succeed into what he has prepared for me. And for you could be your appearance. For you could be your personality. For you could be that you feel like you're not a people's person, that other peoples are well-liked. I don't know what areas of insecurity you struggle with, but I can tell you today, allow God to define your giftedness. Embrace that. Embrace what you're good at it. Embrace it as the way that God designed you and prepared you to do the things that he had in store for you. Embrace that because it is the mark of his perfect design. It is not a mistake. As I bring this to conclusion, I'll say this. In personalities, we're going to have cracks and scars. What are cracks? You know, sometimes I don't want to be over negative with cracks, but cracks is just what happens to an object after a lot of wear and tear. They develop. And so in our personality, in our journey, we're going to have cracks. The wear and tear of life is going to start getting at us. The insecurities, yes. And also the scars, the stuff that is spoken over us. And that stuff pulls a lot of weight in us and limits us and veers away, making us wish to be like other people to escape that reality. And it weighs us down. But in the midst of that, there is a third weight. Not the weight of the cracks or the scars, but the weight of the cross. And in the weight of the cross, it's a different story. In the weight of the cross, I see Jesus died. And with the weight of the cross, I see that he, because he said it is finished and he did it for me, it means that I'm accepted. It means that I'm worthy. It means that I'm blessed. It means that I'm called. It means that I have his spirit in me. 
It means that I'm his masterpiece because otherwise he wouldn't have done that for me. I am his masterpiece and I'm being prepared for great things. God's design on your life is enough, students. God's design, your personality, your gifts, how you look, how you sound, what you like, what your interests are, your life experience. God designs in your life is enough to fulfill the things that he has prepared for your life. So don't overcompensate. Don't try to borrow. Don't try to cheaply imitate. Embrace the masterpiece and you will see God do great things through you and in you. I want to pray for you this morning. We have a few minutes before lunch. I don't want us to rush out because I think that Right here at this moment, God is speaking to some people. This is such a personal thing. Maybe you're struggling with some things and maybe you don't feel like being as vulnerable. That's okay. God sees that. God knows that. I just encourage you to talk to somebody that you trust. You don't need to stand in a crowd to be vulnerable if you don't feel like it. But if right now you're struggling with accepting certain aspects of your life, of your personality, of your gift. Don't bear that pain on your own. Don't smile and say, oh, everything is okay. I encourage you to go and uh, speak to someone that you trust one-on-one. But right now, God, at this moment, in every seat, there is a masterpiece. Lord, I'm reminded of Jeremiah 18. When Jeremiah is sent to the potter's house, and there it is, the potter, just fashioning the clay according to his design. And the potter having this this authority, the weight of authority, but the weight of love as the clay is fashioning his hands. And each life here is that in your eyes. In this room, there are masterpieces. Lord, masterpieces that are going to change the world for you. Masterpieces that are going to do great things, Lord. And even though right now there might be insecurities, right now the weight of negativity, the weight of scars and cracks are weighing them down, I pray, Lord, that there will be freedom. And that first step comes with embracing the masterpiece in them. Lord, that they will see in them the design of God and not the mistake of others or their own mistakes. That they will see that in them there is sovereignty, Lord, uh, being done, oh Lord, and being carried out, oh God. And that, Lord, you guide their steps. That they don't need to borrow, that they don't need to imitate, Lord that they just simply need to embrace what you have put in them and allow that to be what, what, what leads them into those places of fruitful ministry and joyful life. I speak joy right now into every corner of this campus, into every heart of this student body. Lord Jesus, that joy will, put, will come into, Lord, and Lord, transform, oh God the darkness of negativity and self-doubt and lack of acceptance. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for allowing me to share. God bless you.